Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I'm very, very pleased that you are here with me today. Oh, we have a wonderful show in store for you today. Uh, a little bit of a different show than, than what we usually have, uh, which when I, I bring on my guest, you'll, you'll quickly learn why. But of course, we have... Uh, uh, a wonderful, interesting, thought-provoking show for certain. So, of course, let's start off with our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what they have in store for us this week. First, from the universe. When little things start to bother you, it might be because you need more big things in your life. Happily, there's a super easy spiritual fix. Get out more. It's all spiritual. The universe. <laughs> we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Always uh, cheerfully chiding us on to a happier, more fun kind of life. And yes, it's a very interesting quote about how you know when we start getting annoyed and start getting bothered and you know things are just uh, you know getting on our nerves uh, really maybe the best way to counteract that is to get out talk to people experience life more look for more of the big things look for the things that you love in life and uh, you'd be surprised how quickly those little annoying things all of a sudden fade from your attention. And, you know, that's really the key is placing your attention and your focus onto the things that really you love and uplift and thrill you. And then those things that bother you, they just they're just not in your consciousness anymore. So they're not there to bother you. So, a beautiful quote from the universe. Before we get to our Abraham quote, quick shout out to our wonderful uh, viewers and listeners on the Facebook live stream. Thanks for all the thumbs up and hearts. Craig, Irene, Nancy, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you really enjoy the show today. All right, great. Let's move on to our quote from Abraham. You are liquid love in physical bodies wanting more than life itself because it is life itself to adore the vessel that's you through which this source energy flows you are god you are source you are creator abraham Mm, nice one today little bit controversial, I think, uh, because a lot of people don't like that idea that you are God, you are source, you are creator. But we are. I'm sorry. I hate to break the bad news to you. Well, actually, I don't hate to break the bad news to you. I love to break this kind of news to you. But we are all the creators of our life. And yes, we are liquid love made physical, made manifest. And we're here. Life calls us into being because life is here to love itself. Life brings us forward because that's how this energy, this primordial, this, this etheric, this spiritual love comes into being. We are all the creator because everything is the creator. We are all God because everything is God. We are all source because everything is source. You see, if, if you have this concept, and quote so wonderful for, for today's discussion, if you have this concept of something, I don't care what you call it. I don't care if you call it the universe, God, <coughs> spirit, <coughs> source, creator. That is all encompassing. That is everything. Th- we're a part of that. We're very, very much in the middle of the mix. So there is no separation. Ah, wonderful, Nick. Thank you for joining us on the Facebook live stream. Uh, 
we are all this and more. We're all a part of it. You know, it was interesting. I was at a uh, a workshop a couple of months ago, and the, the teacher, who's a wonderful Peruvian shaman who I study with, he said, you know, you in the West, you see things very distinct and very separate. You know, when you look at all the people in the room, you think, oh, there's me, and then there's all these people in the room. And then there's the chair and this couch and the plants and the walls. And he said, but us in, in tribal culture, we see the energy that flows through and, and from person to person and thing to thing. We don't see a separation. We see us as all just different points of life that are all interconnected, that are all related, that are all a part of each other. And I thought, ah, that's it. You know, that's really the way things are. We're not separate, distinct beings. There is no separation between us, a creator if there is one, source if there is source, God if there is a God, spirit if there is a spirit. There is no distinction between us and these enormous concepts. Because energy flows from place to place. And energetically, there is no separation. And if you're listening to this show, whether you're here in New York or around the world, you've had those moments. You've had those feelings, those instances of connection, whether it was with another human being, your pet, a flower, the earth itself, the ocean, you felt that connection. You felt that reverie of what it means to be one, to be whole. And there is no difference. Yes, to the physical, to our eyes, to the outward appearance, things may look differently. And that's life breaking itself up into billions and trillions and zillions of different little pieces so it can explore the infinity that is itself. But we're all a part of life. We're all a part of the universe. We're all a part of this planet. And while we may manifest apparently separately, we're not separate. Not truly, not at the most fundamental levels. You know, if you, if you listen to the introduction to our live shows on this network and you listen to the music that we play and it says we are all connected to the earth biologically, to, to each other biologically, to the earth chemically, to the rest of the universe atomically, Right? We are made of star stuff. The atoms that are in our body are the atoms from exploded stars long gone that we have no even conception that we're there. But we're related. We're related to, related to the earth chemically. Without the water that flows through us that, that has been part of the earth for billions of years, we would not exist. You know, we're related to each other biologically. Ultimately, we can all be traced back in some way that we're all related in some fashion. I don't care whether you believe in evolution or creation. It actually doesn't matter. Because if you believe in creation, there was Adam and Eve and we're all related to Adam and Eve, period. That's what your belief is. And if you believe in evolution, we've all evolved f from amoeba that formed in the oceans that eventually crawled out onto the shores of the planet. So it doesn't matter what you believe in. We are all related. And trust me, if we're all related physically, we are all related energetically, spiritually. We are all connected. And if you don't believe that we're all connected, just look at how one's person actions affect other people in their community, 
in their family, in um, the world as a whole. Everything we do, oh, thank you for all the thumbs up and hearts. Look at all how our actions affect the environment, affect each other. So yes, we are absolutely the creator. We are source. We are God. And uh, welcome on the Facebook live stream to my dear friend, Kafunya. It's nice to see you there. Greetings. So, two wonderful quotes from the universe and from Abraham. And uh, ones that I hope you will uh, think about and ponder and reflect upon between now and next week's show. And before I bring on uh, my guest, Bruce Buff, who is uh, holding on the phone lines right now, um, I, I just want to quickly mention, uh, for those of you who uh, have been waiting for the next meeting for the Conscious Business Collective, we are meeting next Thursday, uh, January 26th at 7 p.m. at our new location. Please, please uh, go to our meetup group, meetup.com slash conscious-biz-collective and RSVP for the event and all of the meetings. Uh, the meeting is listed there. All of the details for the meeting is listed there. It's going to be a great, great meeting. And um, uh, um, I'm sure a bunch of... Uh, Old people who've been coming to the meetings for a while will be there. And uh, I already know there are some new uh, people joining us. So I hope you will as well. Yes, Kafunia, I know from East West Books. And we see each other all the time when I happen to make the New Life Expo and bouncing around at all the spiritual uh, stuff. And yes, I will be more than happy to connect with you shortly so uh, let's go to our first break of the show and when we come back i'll introduce you to my guest bruce buff and you'll learn what we're going to talk about this hour so please stay with us you're listening to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity and we will be right back after these messages you're listening to the talking alternative network Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Uh, this hour, we're going to be talking with author Bruce Buff. In his debut novel, The Soul of the Matter, Bruce weaves suspense and faith into a story so real, readers may find it difficult to discern where fiction ends and reality begins. He takes readers on an exhilarating ride as they follow the main character, Dan Lawson, a former cyber intelligence analyst who was involved in a plot so dangerous he may not survive. Soul of the Matter successfully mixes faith and science into a book that you won't soon forget. Um, you will be fascinated by Buff's combination of fiction with a storyline that could happen in our world today. Full of unexpected twists and turns, it will leave you wondering how this fast-paced thriller... Um, marked by a combina 
compelling combination of science, suspense, redemption, and faith could possibly be his first novel. Bruce graduated from UPenn and Columbia Business School with finance degrees and has worked as a management consultant and information technology executive. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Bruce. Thank you very much. Wonderful. So it's great to have you on the show. Uh, unfortunately, you're not here in studio, so I can't get you on the Facebook live stream that they'll they'll hear you. I'm just going to hold your book up real quick um, for the viewers to see your book. Um, we got bunches of, of listeners giving us lots of thumbs up today. So, Bruce, my, my first question for you, of course, has to be, how does somebody who's a finance and business guy end up writing a novel about faith and science? I just had a story that um, I wanted to tell. There were some interesting ideas that popped into my head over the years. Um, you know, in 1986, there was a magazine cover that said we all had maybe 20% DNA that was identical. I just thought for an amusement point of view, wouldn't it be something if there was a message encoded in that? Mm. And then in 99, um, just sitting at a computer, I was wondering what connected all those little pixels and bits and bytes into a um, an image or a thought that we perceive, and I was off and running from there. It's just, it was just desire. I, I never thought I would write. It was the last thing I thought I would do. Ah, really? Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious, like, what got you the itch to, like, actually take pen to paper or type on the keyboard, as the case may be, and, like, start putting, you know, your thoughts and ideas down? Because oftentimes, when I talk to people who are interested they they often get daunted by the idea of writing a book or a novel and they ask me like how do i get started so how did you get started um i i really wanted i had this concept of a story in my head and i just continued to flesh it out and i it appealed to me i thought i'd have fun with it i thought it would appeal to others and i thought it would convey some ideas that are worth thinking about and exploring deeper so i felt that there was a purpose beyond enjoyment which is my primary purpose but you know to also get people to go beyond what they take for granted and what they're told and what they think they understand and so with that motivation it was just something i had to keep pushing through i mean i never knew how to write fiction and i'm not a gifted writer and so i had to keep working at it it was just really desire in the end wow cool cool and (coughs) excuse me how long did it actually take you to write this book well, it depends on how you define that. Um, <laughs> it took me about six years to write the first 150 pages because I was learning how to write fiction and mm-hmm. developing my voice. And once I had a much better understanding into how to do that, the last several hundred, 300 plus, um, took a year. Wow, okay. So it, it was like uh, took a while to kind of lay the foundation, but then once you kind of got your groove, then it kind of flowed pretty quickly. Yes. Cool, cool. And and tell me, I'm just curious, what did your, your family think when you started working on this project? Did they think you kind of lost it, or were they supportive? Um, disbelief would definitely characterize the early years, or many of the years throughout <laughs> this, because they knew me as someone who, while capable, it was always in the things of like uh, mechanical computers, business consulting. Right. They, they knew how I speak and how I write, and so there were limitations there mm-hmm. um, that thankfully I've overcome well enough in this book. But, and, and they knew how hard it is and what the odds are in getting published or sure astronomical. So the idea that this would turn into something worthwhile in the end was a very great, great long shot. Yeah. It wasn't until the last year when I was able to get a, uh, a freelance editor, Marjorie Brayman, who was formerly with um, HarperCollins to help me and provide, oh. you know, uh, really good feedback and and encouraged me. Sadly, she's she's passed since then. Um, that that they really believed and thought this was something that could come to fruition and be worthwhile. So they came around. Uh-huh. And for a while, I was joking that the dedication on the book was going to be this would have been to my wife if she had ever read it. But she <laughs> hasn't read it. And, and so uh, the the story kind of evolved over time. So why don't you like give give our audience like a, a, just a brief synopsis of really what the novel is about, and then let's talk about kind of like what the initial idea started and, and kind of how it grew into what it, what the book turned sure. into. Um, the main character, Dan Lawson, is, as you mentioned, a former government cybersecurity analyst, and a lot of things have come easy to him in life, and he's lived the life and, has, and is in the situation that most people today would consider a pretty good one. But 
Um, he's finding himself in a deepening melancholy and feeling lost and adrift, and he's estranged from his childhood friend, Stephen Bishop, who's a geneticist, and Stephen's been working on decoding the human genome. And when he gets in touch with Dan, Dan is initially very resistant to the idea of getting together, but when he does, he hears something incredulous. And that Stephen says, there's not enough DNA to make you, me, or anybody, unless a complex process greatly expands it into a much larger set of instructions, which happens to be true and very easy to demonstrate. Oh. And then Stephen says, in the process of doing so and decrypting this, which implies encrypted, um, he discovers everything there is to know about the universe, including human origin and destination. So Dan's incredulous at this, and um, but he wants to know more because he's feeling this void in his life. So when Stephen asks Dan to help encrypt and put a secure environment in place for him to do his work, you know, Dan agrees. But something catastrophic happens along the way, and Dan then has to find out what Stephen really found, what it really means, mm -hmm. and what to do with whatever he comes into possession of, because the implications are dramatic. Right. So it's kind of like um, a, a combination detective story and mystery novel, in a way, that, yeah. that, that uses sort of science and technology and, and, and uh, if I dare say, kind of spirit to, to kind of tell the story. Very much so. I mean, I like, if it's not too haughty to say so, and it probably is because I'm nowhere near the levels of these guys, but I'd look like it as a combination of a, like a Michael Crichton, Dan Brown, Dean Koontz, you know, for the science, the spiritual, and, and the uh, thrilling aspects of it. And fortunately, whatever merits it may have on the philosophical or existential side of things, including science, um, I've had good reviews, and people find it a page-turner that they enjoy, so I find that very gratifying. And glad, because if people are going to spend the money for your book, they want right. you want them to feel like it was worthwhile. So, so those are the people, those are the writers you would say who are your inspiration, or the ones like you, you look up to? Um, the ones, there, there are several. I mean, I, I like um, definitely Michael Crichton and Dean Koontz are, are up there, and also Walker Percy. And you have to admire the success that Dan Brown has achieved. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I just want to welcome Brigitte to our Facebook live stream. Ooh, I'm sure there are more people there because I keep seeing all these hearts and thumbs up. So uh, we definitely got a lot of people there. Um, now, it, did you intend this to be kind of like a detective mystery story when you first started writing it? Or did that is that something that kind of creeped in to the book a after you had already started writing it? I always, I always intended it to be a thriller where someone had to seek and find okay. you know, what was really going on. So it was, it was always intended as the mystery that has to be unraveled, but also the suspense that goes along with that. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Did you ever see, uh, are, are you a Star Trek fan? Very much. Ah, awesome. So you know there was this uh, episode of The Next Generation where... Uh, uh, Picard is going around like trying to get DNA from all these different races to combine together and when all the DNA combines together there's like this message that comes out did you ever no, see that? No, I wasn't episode? aware of that one. That's oh, interesting. You, you <laughs> got to find this one. I can't remember the name of the episode. I think it was like a two-part or a three-part episode in the in one, in the later seasons in, in like the last two or three seasons where it it's it's he 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 this uh archaeologist or, or, or someone that he used to uh, 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 be friends with or studied with when he was younger like comes back to him and 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 then uh, he, he encourages him to kind of go on this trip with him to try to figure all this out um, but yeah you should definitely check it out I think you'd really get a kick out of it oh, so so um, in the book I mean this is this is a pretty good novel you, you what surprised you sort of in the process of of uh, writing the story out and 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 like uh, as you were kind of fleshing out the idea and the characters? Uh, I mean, are these characters, would you say these are like amalgams of people that you've known in your life or are these just completely fictional? To me, they're com no, I think they're completely fictional, but you can never be certain, right? You, yeah. you have <laughs> what you've learned and experienced and observed in others. So, uh, you're not creating it out of um, empty space, so to speak. Right. But the main character, Dan, is I envisioned as someone who um, always, as I said earlier, always things always came easy to him. He was religious young. 
He became um, someone who didn't believe in, in anything beyond the physical world. He was a, actually a, an angry atheist, so to speak, mm-hmm. and he's found that unlivable. And so I want to imagine what the, that transformation would be like, what it would be like for someone to have once been that religious, to have become what Dan become, and then to doubt it and start re-exploring what's the meaning of his life, is there really a meaning, and what that could be. So for that, that was very deliberate, but everything else was um, just to make the story entertaining and work well. Oh, okay, cool. And and so when you sort of postulated this idea or, or you know, when you were kind of exploring it, is this also a, sort of a reflection of your own beliefs or is this just, just a sort of a fanciful idea that, that you wanted to just kind of for the fun of it explore? I think it's a bit of both. When I started out, I had no agenda. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm comfortable with what I believe and I didn't need to bolster it in any way. Um, of course, again, you know, things will seep in no matter what, no matter who you are. Right. But um, with this, when I started exploring ideas in the novel, I started finding more and more of a basis for some of the for for it to being that way, and then that took me in different directions. That, in some regards, inevitably required a crossover between what the story set out to be and and things I think about and explore. I mean, I had no. Uh, idea or inclination that there would be something in DNA um, that that really can provide insight into how we got here. And I don't mean from the coded message point of view of Star Trek or, or anything else, but there really is a complex process involved. There really isn't enough DNA. And so if there's a plan, if there is something that's really um, a data compression, so to speak, or an encryption involved, that begs a lot of questions. Uh, so that pushed me in different directions. Gotcha. And then the consciousness side that's mentioned briefly in here that I explore more in the second book, because this is the first of three ah. in the in series. Okay. Yeah. Um, I posit that if physics exists as we believe it exists, then we are definitely more than physical matter, that the brain alone isn't enough to make the human mind. Because in physics, there is not a method for, or a way, for individual particles consisting of only objective states of matter to create a whole subjective experience. In in basic language, that means the spin of electrons going around an atom that are part of a molecule, which is all that exists in a purely physical world, can't lead to me looking around my room right now where I'm sitting and perceiving colors and hearing sounds all as one experience. And that's actually well known in, in, in people who mm-hmm. study you know, the scientific aspect of consciousness, right. but you know, the positives for how that gap is closed are different. Right, 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 right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got I got tons of questions for you. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, kind of the DNA side of things and your research and, and what kind of surprises came up along the way. Okay, Bruce? Great. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour is Bruce Buff, author of the new book, The Soul of the Matter. And we will be right back. You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network. If you have an interest in marijuana, you want to know about marijuana, law, policy, and culture, then feel free to join me, Joseph A. Bondi, every Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning on my show, In the Know 420 on TalkingAlternative.com. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Robin Cali Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc.
Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. A quick shout out to, again to all of our viewers on the Facebook live stream. Mary Gordon, thank you. Uh, you should be able to find it on the Talking Alternative Facebook page, facebook.com slash Talking Alternative, or just look uh, for, my, uh, for me, Sam Leibowitz, L-I-E-B-O-W-I-T-Z in New York City, and you should be able to pick up the stream right there. Thank you, Mary. And just a quick reminder to everyone on the Facebook live stream, if you type something in the comments, if you have a question for Bruce or for myself, please just type in the comments and we'll uh, ask the question. Or if anyone wants to call in directly, our call-in number, of course, is 877-480-4120. So, so Bruce, this, this whole idea for the novel kind of started with your fascination into DNA and, and how it got uh, and, and what it is, how it works and stuff. What uh, was the, probably the, the, how shall we say, the most surprising thing about how DNA works that you found out in the process of this? I mean, I understand what you said before about there not being enough and the compression aspect, but that kind of like you knew in the beginning when you first started off, right? No, no. I, I discovered that in oh. like 2007 or so. Oh, okay. And it was, to me, it was just, I just had the fictional idea only. And when I was researching a plausible way that I could use in the book to explain how something could be encoded in DNA, again, strictly a fictional thing, um, that's when I found out or realized that there wasn't nearly enough. And related to that is uh, two other ideas. One is that to date, um, scientists really haven't discovered where and how the body plan is um, stored or or created from. So in other words, the shape of our hands, the color of our eyes, I mean, colors of our eyes is kind of known, but the shape of the hands, the arrangement of the brains, the arrangement of the bones, basically how one creature is shaped versus another, that information hasn't been figured out yet. And then, but obviously there's a symmetry involved, and so that also implies um, a level of you know, algorithmic processing. And finally, um, the way I came up with this, the, the main, one of the main ideas in the book is I was learning computer programming in 1987, the C language, and they had to study the Mandelbrot set in the program. Yes. And then in 2007, my daughter was doing a math project, so I gave her the Mandelbrot set to study. And that's at the same time I'm researching DNA, and that's based on fractals and a way of taking a small amount of information and creating a a much larger lifelike looking image. And so that was fascinating, but embedded in the Mandelbrot set is the idea of imaginary numbers. And if somehow an imaginary number is involved in the expression of DNA into a person, well, that's really mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't know how much you got into the the physics of things, but um, I'm sure you're familiar, you learned about the double slit experiment, right? Yep. And so for, for our listeners who are not familiar with it, it, it basically um, the scientists back in the 70s sent light through a slit and it would form a certain kind of it would form a band if it was one slit. And, and then they made two slits. And it, uh, because electrons in theory are like discrete little particles, it should make just two bands on the screen. But instead, it made an interference pattern, which means it acted more like a wave. And they thought this is really weird, so then they decided to measure it, and by me- and then they placed a measuring device, and then suddenly it wasn't an interference pattern anymore; it was uh, two bands, and so it, it it there seemed to be some sort of inherent awareness or consciousness that the electrons had that just by observing it they acted differently, which is one of the big big mysteries of uh quantum physics and so uh, 
this, I, I guess, like the, these kinds of concepts and these kinds of things are stuff that you discovered along the way uh, that I assume sort of helped to form some of the, the uh, uh, mysteries that you explore in the book. Yeah, I mean, I, I do take a look at, um, at uh, the multiverse theory and, and the idea of fine-tuning in the universe a bit in this book. I'm going to get deeper into quantum mechanics and relativity a little bit in, in the third. Uh-huh. I mean, the double-slit experiment is fascinating. You know, as you mentioned, two streams of electrons or, or um, light particles going through two slits at the same time and how they interact. But the other side of that is when you have a single slit and you put electrons, a series of photons actually through it over time, it too creates a, the remnant of a, an interference pattern, and it's really fascinating stuff that I'd like to learn more about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually teach a uh, spoon bending workshop where uh, the first hour of the workshop is kind of the physics around all of this. Wow. <laughs> um, wonderful. So uh, tell me, what was the most fun part about working on this story in the book? That I really enjoyed doing it so much, you know, mm. and being, being in the character, being in the story as I'm running it and putting words on the page that I went back and when I read them, you know, which was always a difficult thing to do because in a lot of ways you're exposing yourself. You're exposing your attempts to be something you're not. You're exposing your attempt to write in a way that, you know, is going to entertain people or not. That I found that I wound up telling the story that I wanted to tell. And then afterwards that, you know, people who read it, more, more, most people, you know, found it something that they enjoyed. And so that was, for me, a great discovery. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you uh, also like talk about a lot of uh, sort of high tech stuff in the book, right? You talk yeah. about fusion and other things. Uh, would you consider this book almost science fiction, or is a lot of that stuff real? Yeah, that's interesting because you asked how long it took me to write this, and mm. in the beginning, things that I were imagining. Uh-huh. Seven years later, were already happening, so I had to uh-huh. change the book to make it not <laughs> futuristic. <laughs> you know, little things like find find my iPhone, right? When you or tracking, find a friend. I mean, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that there are elements of that, but it's more the nature of taking what we have today and seeing how it could be used tomorrow. Ah, okay. So, so that's why you consider it more sort of fiction than science fiction is like yeah. the stuff is real. It's just you're imagining different ways that what we have now can be applied. Right. right. Uh, uh, was there, a, uh, with the plot of the story, as it was sort of unfolding as you were writing the novel, was there anything about the plot that kind of shifted and changed over the period that you were working on it that surprised you? Yeah, um, that most definitely. Uh, one of the biggest surprises is that the first version of the book that I submitted to my um, to the person who became my agent later, Roger Fried of Foundry, um, is that uh, we took the last quarter of the book out before we started pitching it to editors and publishers. Mm. But the idea that you know it told a better story that way, and then we revisited adding it back later. And we, it never got added back, and all of a sudden it found a great foundation for a you know, second book. So I'd always planned this to be two books, but I wound up with a middle third that I never anticipated. So that was a good thing. Ah, uh, okay. So, so you, you, you started off with the idea of this potentially being two books, um, but now it's turning into a trilogy. Yes. I mean, I always had this completely plotted out, but... I knew from the beginning it was too much for one book, so I planned on two. Uh, but apparently the first one was too much for one book, so now that became a middle one. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Do, do you have working titles for the other two books? Um, this, the one that's coming out um, sometime in 2018 is called The Last Souls. The Last Souls, okay. Cool. Cool. It's, already, it's already on Amazon, the cover. Oh, awesome, awesome. I'll have to take a look at that. Um... So you, uh, uh, you know, kind of have sort of a finance and, and business background, and you talk a lot in the book about sort of security and electronics, and like you were saying before, like, like finding somebody. Um, is this something that you've touched upon sort of in, in your real-world life, or was this all, like, new stuff to you that you just had to research uh, as you were writing? 
On both, interestingly. I mean, some stuff I knew ahead of time and some stuff I researched. And then the third piece, cybersecurity, I actually got involved when with a major financial institution in New York after the first book was out. And so it was, it was kind of nerve-wracking to think, hey, I'm working with these folks who know everything about this now, and I have this book. I hope I'm not embarrassing myself. But you know, that, that was fine. But I came up, I learned something in that that's going to be an important part of the later books, which is in, in encryption, the difference between what's called a synchronous set of keys and an asynchronous set of keys, and it's uh, got some pretty big implications. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Because um, I, I, I love this, you know, I never thought of it this way, but I never thought of the idea of encryption involved in the DNA. I mean, I've heard, and, and uh, you know, just so you know, I've, I play in very esoteric worlds sometimes, and I can get uh, very woo-woo, um, and I've read a number of different books, so I've heard lots of different theories all, all around how we came to be, but I've never kind of uh, heard those terms sort of applied to our DNA, so I found that quite fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to um, you know, think through yourself if you have that type of interest and background that there's even... In, if the cells are identical, so to speak, from a genetics point of view, like neurons, mm -hmm. there has to be a certain set of precise arrangements and connections from the very beginning for us to function, right? It's not like, right. it's not a self-learning neural net that's teaching us how to breathe before we're born, or a pony that's able to walk as soon as it's born. So a lot of that coding is already there, and that takes a tremendous amount of instructions, and there's just mm -hmm. not enough DNA for that on a one-for-one -one basis. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. Uh, quick question for you before we go to break. Um, are you familiar with the author Zachariah Stitchin and his uh, whole series of books that started with The Twelfth Planet? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Because he, um, he studied, like, Sumerian culture, and he was, uh, like, a, a, an expert at Sumeria, and he had a, a very different and controversial interpretation of the ancient Sumerian myths and he attributed it to sort of aliens coming down and he even has very uh, uh, like evidence like if you, if you read his books it, he makes a very very convincing argument about w why the gods in ancient Sumeria were actually aliens and, and his take on it was that humans were actually created by aliens to, to serve the gods to, to kind of um, to, to be servants of the gods and and, you know, through his books, and I've, I've listened to other people who talk about his books, there's this one gentleman um, who I think has since passed by the name of Lord Pai. I saw one particular lecture that he, a recording of a lecture he gave at a conference, where he even said that he had geneticists who, who talked to him after he came out with some of his own stuff, saying, like, what they see in the genes and in DNA it like it can't be natural, quote unquote natural, but they could never come out publicly and say this because it would totally ruin their career. Oh, that that's true beyond belief. Yeah, awesome. All right, so we're, we're going to go to break. When we come back, let's talk just a little bit about intelligent design, and and uh, we'll have a couple more questions before we finish up. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, with our guest, Bruce Buff, author of the book, The Soul of the Matter. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. TalkingAlternative.com 
And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking with Bruce Buff, author of the book, Soul of the Matter. Um, so, Bruce, since uh, this is very much in, in your, your book, um, what is intelligent design and, and why is it so kind of controversial these days? Um, the, the basic idea is that when you look and understand at, at genetics and biology, that there is strong evidence for structures and processes within it that says it could not have arisen by a, um, an unguided, purposeless process through strictly incremental um, changes. So it's not that they don't, intelligent design doesn't believe in evolution because the word evolution just means change over time. Right. It's a question about change in what over what period of time and how. Right. So they posit that there's concepts like irreducible complexity that says the components of certain things, that there's not an incremental building block path to them, that they all had to have been there from the beginning together, and that required the action of an outside agent, a designer. Right, right, right. So and the controversy is that, of course, it, it um, goes against the neo-Darwinian view that says, there is a straight line from nothingness to humanity and on a clear path of unguided, purposeless evolution. And that upsets a lot of people, not so much from a scientific view, though it does some, but from a philosophical view. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, just because there is intelligent design, that, that really doesn't answer, like, how the intelligent design got there. So we don't know whether it's God or spirit or aliens or, you know, whomever, or maybe an ancient race that existed before us. You know, it's, it's, there's no answer to how that intelligence design got to be. It's just uh, from, as, as people posit it, that there is an intelligent design in there. Right. From a biological perspective, that's absolutely right. I mean, even Francis Crick, the uh, co-creator of the structure of DNA, um, and, and, and a very accomplished scientist well beyond that in biochemistry, um, he didn't believe that DNA came about through an unguided, purposeless process, so he believed that aliens were involved in that. Oh, really? Oh, cool. But uh, then you have, we, we have to use and take a look at what other evidence is around us and where that leads. So, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So how long has your book been out now? mid-September. Mid-September. So it's been out a few months. Um, and what kind of reaction have you gotten to the book? I mean, do people think it's a nice fiction novel? Do they think it's controversial? Um, I, I think, and this is what I've been very pleased about, is um, many reviewers um, have gotten it the way I wanted it to be, which is a fast-paced, enjoyable book that's very thought-provoking. So I've been very fortunate with, with reviews from Publishers Weekly, Barnes and Noble, and other other organizations with this. Right. So, so do you look at your book as <coughs> one that sort of asks a lot of questions, or one that answers questions? It asks way more than it answers, but mm -hmm. it tries to provide some answers that help bound the question. Mm -hmm. Oh, and and so I, w I would like love to ask you about kind of where you see things going forward. So we already know that there are two more books coming. Yeah. Um, over about what period of time do you think it'll be to publish those? So one you said would be coming out in 2018. I, I would like one a year if that works, but we'll see. I okay. Have to, you know, there's, there's real life and there's publishing yeah. needs and yeah. there's readers, so they will factor in. And and uh, are there any plans for this material beyond the books themselves? People have mentioned that these would make good movies, um, mm. but until that comes about, um, it's a nice idea. Ah, so so no, no studios knocking at your door yet. No. But you'd be happy. Okay, well, putting it out there. If anybody you know is you know involved with any of the major studios, Bruce would love to have a conversation with the <laughs> studios about turning it into a movie. Um, uh, and uh, are there other books in other veins uh, knocking around in the back of your mind, or? Beyond the series, yes, uh, uh -huh. definitely both fiction and nonfiction. But first, I have to uh, get the work done with these and, and have them turn out well. Right. Now, you're not a full time writer, are you? No, right. I have a full time job right now. You have a full time job. 
would you would you like to be a full time writer? Like, is that of your course. passion and where you're you're going? Okay, cool. Of course. And I mean, in the end, who doesn't like to explore big questions, have fun doing it, and then share their opinions? Right. I mean, who right. doesn't like doing that in the end? Right. 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 And and do you see? Um, uh, at all possible, like using the these stories in these books as sort of a platform to, um, you know, maybe not just just as in terms of putting out more books, but like speaking about it, holding workshops, talking to people about it, to to just uh, have more conversations around these topics. I mean, if there was if there was an interest and demand for that at the right level, of course. Mm, wonderful. Wonderful. And, and can you actually like like now that the book is out and now you've gotten a reception and and you kind of sense of how things are going? Um, like, do you see things in that vein becoming more real and like something you can actually see happening, like turning this into your full time gig? Or, or does it still feel kind of like almost a, a, a nice dream, but you're not quite sure that it can turn into reality? I'm looking at it with the desire and hope that it becomes what I want it to be. And I, if I had a bet, I would think the odds are more in favor than that or not. But that's not a bet I can place in full yet. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so for any aspiring authors out there, people who you know have their own ideas that they would love to turn into a book or a novel, what words of advice would you have for them you know p- people who are just starting off that now that you've sort of been through the process and now you're a, a published author i would say don't be afraid to do it and but also be realistic and solicit right feedback and guidance along the way i mean the odds of doing this um are astronomical mm. um getting to this point and i'm not even you know i'm not on the bestseller list not yet at least i hope uh. <laughs> um and so you have to make it, you have to love doing it for yourself or have a purpose in mind and stick with it and make sure you finish and see what happens from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever think about self-publishing the books or, or, or from, the, from the beginning you, you always wanted to get a publisher to publish? I always wanted a publisher, but if I didn't get one, I would have gotten a self-publisher, mm. would have self-published it. Mm. And, and w- once you started working with an editor, um, did the process change a great deal? Not really. I mean, I had already finished the book, and um, and then I got a lot of good feedback, but the editing was more like cut this, cut this, cut this, to pick up the pace that mm. it wasn't like um, you had to change your writing style or voice. So I was fortunate at that point. And the way I did that is... Um, when I started considering different ways of writing, I would go back to my favorite authors and read their books. And you read differently at that point, and then you say, hey, yes, they did that there, and it worked. Um, and so then, you, then I knew I could do it. Right. So it's a, it's a um, constant checking against what works for you versus somebody else. Right, right, right. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Bruce, it, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. How do people find the book? Um, they've enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean, I've had some... Uh, Nice reviews on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Goodreads. So people are picking it up gradually, and yeah. I am getting good feedback. And, and where do they find the book? Um, you can go to my website, Bruce Buff, one word, B R U C E B U F F at dot com, and that will bring you to links where you can buy it at almost anywhere, anywhere you normally buy books. And um, we'll also show you some of the reviews I've had. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So yeah, so it's available on like Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and like all the big booksellers. And yes. Stuff. Excellent, excellent. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to come on the show today. It's been a pleasure having you. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed this greatly. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. The name of the book again, once more, and I'll bring it up for the Facebook live stream, The Soul of the Matter by Bruce Buff. Um, If you've enjoyed our conversation and it sounds intriguing, please go out and pick up the book. All right, Bruce, take care. Thank you. Take care. You're welcome. And uh, I just uh, want to uh, let everybody know that next week, my guest is a mystery guest, but somebody uh, very, very important to this station and to my show 
who happens to be in town. So uh, we're not fully confirmed yet, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be on the show next week. So I do do hope that you'll tune in again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern time uh, for the next issue of the Conscious Consultant Hour, um, because I guarantee you it will be uh, quite a fascinating and insightful show. And just as a quick reminder and uh, one last shout out, I see we got more viewers on our Facebook live stream. I'm sorry if I don't get to everybody, but Keith, welcome on board. Thank you all on the Facebook live stream for all of the thumbs up and hearts and likes and shares. It, it really, uh, it's, it really is, is huge for us and we really appreciate it. Uh, and it, once again, those who are interested in the Conscious Business Collective, our meet, next meeting is Thursday, January 26th at 7 p.m. You can get all the details on our meetup group. Just go to meetup.com and search for Conscious Business Collective or the direct link is meetup.com slash conscious dash biz b-i-z dash collective i hope you will join us it will be a great uh way to kick off the 2017 for the group it's been wonderful the amazing people that i've had uh coming to the meetings and i hope you will join us and bring a friend with you so thank you all for listening. Talking Alternative will be back with more live shows tomorrow, Friday at 11 a.m. with In the Know 420. And we will be back next week, Thursdays, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you, guys. We will talk to you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 